Hi guys, this is Juliette Bond, host of Wild and Wonderful, and welcome to our second episode, Tour of the Northern Panhandle. In today's episode, we will be exploring the biggest sights and attractions that you have to see if you visit the Northern Panhandle. This is a very unique episode compared to what our normal content will be, but I think that you're really going to enjoy some of the places we're going to talk about today. first stop on our tour is a Fiesta Glassware Factory in Newell, West Virginia. Newell is the northernmost city in West Virginia. As we came into the city, we could see the heap glass scraps on the way in. When we got to the facility, we noticed that the buildings were actually quite beautiful because they were in these super, super old buildings. And they obviously hadn't been bothered in a while. They had ivy and old-style windows, and it was super picturesque and antique and eclectic. We actually went into the factory outlet store, and they had a really nice storefront area, but my favorite part was in the back rooms. They had the seconds piles back there, the glassware that they can't sell in stores anymore. So they sell it super cheap in their outlets, but the stuff was super cool. And they were also selling antique boxes, and we bought a ton of stuff. And it was a really cool place to stop if you're in the area. Aside from the factory itself, Newell was just a very pretty town. There were statues and lawns, and the, ho the homes and houses were very, very pretty. The next stop on the tour was Chester, West Virginia. Chester is just below Newell. It's known for being home to the world's largest teapot, though I wouldn't say it's exactly a teapot. It is a 14-foot by 14-foot teapot-shaped building. It actually started out as a giant barrel and has been fashioned to look like a teapot. It has been used in the past as a concession stand type building and a tourist magnet. They sold stuff like food and souvenirs. The teacup has been around for a very long time and it predates World War II. There's actually a celebration being held for the teacup in Chester this August. The teacup's right in the middle of town, by a very busy road, and it's pretty easy to miss. Like I said earlier, the teapot is very, very small, and it doesn't look like much more than an old concession stand. It's a very cool, small, interesting thing to see, and I'm guessing if you're not from the area, then you probably had no idea that the largest teapot in the world was here in Chester, West Virginia. We next went to the city of Wheeling. Wheeling is very important to West Virginia history. It's been our capital several times, and it is obviously very, very old. It was one of the first cities in West Virginia when it was settled. The buildings are obviously old. The architecture is just incredible. They don't make buildings like they did back then. To put it in perspective, the oldest suspension bridge of its kind in North America is in Wheeling. It's been there since 1849, and it's still there. It was closed when we were there, but it is in very good condition for how old it is. We went to see the Victorian section of town, and it was gorgeous. I mean, really pretty. There was a full street of old homes, most of which have been included on the National Historic Register. And they're all from the 1800s, some of which actually predate the creation of West Virginia, and most are from around the Civil War area. Wheeling also includes an island. It's an actual island, and it has tons of old homes on it as well. But a lot of people know it because it's home to the Wheeling Island Casino, which is very popular and very well known. Downtown Wheeling has lots of large buildings and lots of attractions. 
There are two famous theaters that have hosted many famous celebrities and are home to orchestras and jubilees. Wheeling actually has a hockey team known as the Wheeling Nailers. They're called the Nailers because Wheeling was a major nail production city during their industrial boom, to the point that it was known as Nail City. The city has a giant trail that runs next to the river, and it is very popular for cyclists and hikers that look to have a beautiful, picturesque, enjoyable workout. If you ever make it to Wheeling, I also recommend visiting De Carlos Pizza because it is a Wheeling tradition. They make their pizza special with cold cheese. That's how it's been traditionally served. And it's a must-have if you go to Wheeling. It is delicious. I highly recommend checking it out if you ever go to the Northern Panhandle because they have shops all over. Wheeling Downtown is also home to a very special building known as West Virginia's Independence Hall. This is where the restored government of Virginia operated its headquarters before West Virginia became a state. And it is very, very rich in history and very, very interesting. And I recommend that you go to see that building and go inside if you enter the Wheeling area. We unfortunately couldn't go inside because it was not open at the time. But it is open to everyone now from Tuesday to Saturday. And I do recommend that you go see that if you have a chance to go to Wheeling because it is incredible. And we will be talking about that building a lot more once we get to the statehood movement and we talk about that. So... Be prepared to hear it again and go check it out if you're in the area. Another good spot near Wheeling to visit is the Ogilvy Resort. It's right outside of the city. It's only about 15 minutes away from downtown. They have a zoo and a golf course, a, a full resort, and there's a pretty old mansion that you should really get a tour of if you're going. We visited their zoo. It's called the Good Zoo, and it was very fun. They have lots of animals. And it would be a super, super nice stop if you had kids. It's definitely a cool thing to see if you're in the area. Our next stop is Moundsville, West Virginia. We first went on a 90-minute tour of the West Virginia State Penitentiary. It's also right next to the Grave Creek Mound, which we talked about in our previous episode. From the outside, the pen is very imposing and very intimidating. It was built in Gothic style, and the sort of style that reminds me of a medieval castle. It was definitely built purposely that way to look intimidating to prisoners. The pen operated from 1866 to 1995 and was closed because of inhumane conditions to the point that it was considered violating the Bill of Rights. The plumbing was failing, they had electrical problems, there was no cooling or AC, and they had a severe rodent infestation. Plus, healthcare was severely lacking and the prison had a massive overcrowding problem. We started the tour in the non-contact visitation room, where prisoners would speak to their loved ones through glass. We were introduced to the background of the pen, and then we made our way into the main section of the building. We took the main hall to a room that was most recently used as contact visitation. As we toured, we saw many paintings on the wall, all of which were painted by prisoners. Contact visitation wasn't lacking in paintings. It had full wall murals. Our guide told us about how previously this room had been a mess hall until a mass riot allowed prisoners to take control of the pen. The prisoners actually refused to relinquish control of the penitentiary until Governor Archmore traveled to Moundsville and they came to a truce under the condition that the prisoners would get a new lunchroom with great food and air conditioner. Prisoners have told many stories about the terrible conditions of the lunchroom. 
like rodents on the table and maggots falling from the ceiling. To say the least, it was really bad. Unfortunately, the new mess hall was only used for eight years before the prison was closed. We then moved to the newer mess hall. It was much nicer than the old one. There were two lunch lines and the food was great. The guards actually ate the same food as the prisoners and they had to pay for it. There was a large diagonally running divider wall that officers and guards would eat behind to separate themselves from the prisoners. This room is personally very important to me because I actually ended up taking a very odd photo in this room. The pen is famous and known for its paranormal activity. Lots of strange stuff. It is not at all uncommon to have some form of activity on regular tours. So in this room, I actually caught what now many think is some kind of shadow figure on camera. I didn't even know I had caught it until I posted it on Facebook and someone else found it. I don't know much about the paranormal, but I'll post a picture and you can tell me what you think. Next, we went out to the north yard. This would have been used by the prisoners in the northern cell block. Unlike the other prisoners, they would be in their cell 23 hours a day and would only have one hour of yard time. The yard has two bullpens. A bullpen would be a big, fenced-in yard. These happen to be basketball courts. At the top of the fence was some very nasty barbed wire. It was more than barbed. It literally had blades. We heard a few horror stories about the wire. We left the north yard to enter the north cell block. These would have been your more dangerous criminals. There were four stories of cells in the block. However, before you got to the actual block, there were four separated cells. These would have been, for those deemed, the most dangerous. There were a lot of gang members and really people who committed violent crimes while incarcerated here. These cells were very small. They were just seven feet deep, and they sometimes ended up housing three inmates. You could see in the cell that the inmates had drawn all over them. It was all very interesting to see. We moved just beyond the cell block to the guards' prep area where they prepped the prisoners' food. It was completely caged in on all sides because the prisoners would actually throw things from their cells at the guards below. We left the cell block area and went out through the main entrance. We traveled outside until we reached a set of stairs leading down to the dark. This was a place known as the Hole. Essentially, it was solitary confinement. Guards could bring prisoners down at their discretion. They would be brought down into complete darkness and shackled to the wall. It was so dark that many reported losing or damaging their vision. It also flooded frequently. The longest recorded time a prisoner spent in the hole that we know of was 30 days. It was literally a real dungeon. In the same underground area was the residence of R.D. Wall. Wall is a prisoner and he has a very interesting story. We'll talk about him in just a little bit. After we left the hole, we re-entered the building and went up to the fourth floor to the medical ward. There was still medical equipment left by dentists and a full x-ray machine. There were many paintings on the wall of the ward. All of the paintings in the medical ward were done by the same person. This person had been painting here for a specific purpose. The rumor has it that he was crushing on one of the nurses and he had purposely painted on the wall so that he could get to see her. This actually ended up causing his death after he was reported by another prisoner and then attacked. The psych ward was on the same hallway as the medical ward, and it's very famous for paranormal activity and suspicious occurrences. It was used to house patients that were facing mental issues and needed to be separated from the rest of the group to receive treatment. Like I said earlier, one of the main reasons they closed it down was because of the lack of health care. 
So neither the medical ward or the psych ward was very good or successful at their jobs. They didn't have access to great doctors or equipment, and the doctors they did have only came in a couple times a week. After he left the wards, he traveled out to the south yard. This was where your normal prisoners would spend most of their day. They had a chapel in the yard, and they also had access to weights and a track and other exercise tools. A lot of people ended up getting pretty hurt in the sugar shack, but it was still left unguarded for the duration of its use. The prison had an indoor recreation for when weather did not permit people to be in the yard. It was known by the prisoners as the sugar shack, and for good reason. A lot of interesting things went down in the sugar shack because it was underground. The only people down there were prisoners and zero guards. So a lot of people didn't come out there looking the same way they came in. We headed back upstairs to go to the new cell block. And that was literally what it was called. It was built when they couldn't fit enough prisoners in the old cell block, so they had to make more room which again was caused by overcrowding. And these cells were much newer. You could tell that they were a lot better quality than the old ones. Still four floors, just like the last one, but definitely a lot newer construction. And when we got up here, as the finale of the tour, they actually let us get locked inside of a cell. We all walked inside of one and he automatically shut the doors with us inside and it was a super cool experience. That was probably one of the funnest parts of the tour, and I definitely recommend getting a tour so you can have this experience yourself, because it was super fun, and I've never been able to do anything like that anywhere else, so i definitely give it a shot. When we left the penitentiary, we went straight across the street to see the Grave Creek Mound. We talked about this mound in the last episode, and you've seen a couple pictures on my social media. It is just as large as I expected it to be. My parents were shocked when they saw it. Everyone that I saw brought was shocked at its size. I mean, it's completely overpowering to its surroundings. It's that big. The archaeological complex wasn't open when we went. But, I mean, just seeing the mountain in person was astounding. And you can tell the entire city was built around it. It is completely central and is incredible to see if you're in the area. While you're in the area, another great place to stay is the Grand View Resort. It really does have grand views, and they have lovely cabins, and there are lots of attractions, lots of things to do, lots of sports areas, and they have stores and restaurants, and it's great for kids, and it's a great place to stay if you're in the area. Go check it out. Even if you're not going to stay, the scenes are beautiful. The next stop on our tour is the Palace of Gold. Its closest city is Moundsville. It's a beautiful palace. It is gilded and beautiful on the outside, and it is got great architecture. The roof is incredible. They're doing some renovations on it right now, so we couldn't see everything like it would normally be, but it was beautiful, and it had a giant rose garden as well. We took a, a tour of the inside, but we couldn't take pictures in there because it is considered a religious site, even though the palace itself is open for the public to tour. So we couldn't take pictures out of respect. But in the inside, I mean, 
the floors were marble there was dozens of different types of marble and precious stones everywhere and beautiful chandeliers imported from Austria and thousand year old vases and it was just beautiful and we got to take home some souvenirs from there and the outside is beautiful we did get to take pictures there of the outside they had a gorgeous rose garden and it had over a hundred different types of roses there was a lotus pond in full bloom and they had peacocks just roaming the grounds including an albino one which was really pretty to see but i mean the palace itself it's impeccable incredible it's a must see if you're in the area i mean it's just unbelievable that there's a palace in the middle of nowhere at west virginia and it's just totally out of place but totally just gorgeous and it's got an incredible background it was built by complete amateurs who had no idea what they were doing and were self-taught and they did everything and it is just incredible the feat that they did so if you're in the area i would definitely go check that one out just like last week i'm going to share a few historical markers with you about the area that we've been talking about and i'm going to start with the wheeling suspension bridge the historical marker here says the wheeling suspension bridge constructed by charles L Ellett Jr. between 1846 and 1849 was the first long-span wire cable suspension bridge in the United States. For many years, it was the longest clear-span bridge in the world. The deck was wrecked by a violent storm in 1854. It was rebuilt, and the structure with, with its original towers and cables is still in service. It is the most significant remaining pre-Civil War bridge in the nation. I think that's pretty neat. Our next marker is also from Wheeling. It's for the Athenaeum, which is a giant building in Wheeling. I'm about to tell you what the inscription says. It says, built in 1853 to 1854 for use as a theater, warehouse, and office space. It was the largest building in Wheeling at the time. During the Civil War, it became a Union military prison, mostly for the transitory of holding POWs and Southern sympathizers, earning the foreboding moniker of Lincoln's Bastille. A prison until 1865, it was destroyed by fire in 1868. In the same area, the B&O Railroad building is right behind it, and it is super cool to go see, and the marker is still there for the Athenaeum, where it would have stood before it was destroyed. It's a very cool place to go see, and it's right in downtown Wheeling. From here on out, we're also going to do a state park of the week. This week is Tomlinson Run State Park which I recently visited on the same trip. It is a beautiful state park, which is great if you love camping. It has lots of hiking trails and it's great for kids. So if you're in the area, go check it out. It is the only state park in the Northern Panhandle. The nearest state park to it is North Bend, which is very far below it. So if you're in the area and you like camping and that's how you wanna go check out your stuff, that is a great place to camp while you're there. The Northern Panhandle is just a great place to just drive around and explore itself. The cities are beautiful. The houses are beautiful. If you like looking at old homes, that is a great place to go. Wheeling is a great city to go check out. Even if you just walk around, it is a great destination to just walk around and look at. And if you love history, I mean, there's so much history in one spot. You've got to go check it out if you're in the area. And the Moundsville, it's just 
beautiful. Go take a tour if you have time. It's so much history in one area. It's just incredible, and it has been one of my favorite trips ever, and I'm so glad that you guys got to come along on this episode and see it all with me. And if you want to see some actual pictures of it, go find my social media page. I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Wild and Wonderful Podcast. I have a page on Facebook and an account on Instagram. Go give it a look and you can see all the pictures of everything we've talked about today. It's really neat. And if you enjoyed the episode, leave a review, leave some stars. Everything helps. Thanks for listening. Well, that's all I have for you today. I'm glad you joined me on this tour. It's been super fun to film and to record and to go see all of this stuff. And thank you guys for listening. Come back again next week because we are going to be talking about the exploration of West Virginia and the settlers moving in. So it's going to be a very interesting episode and it's going to be super fun, super cool. And I'll see you guys next Friday as usual. Check out my social media page for more updates on times and things like that. Thanks again for listening to Wild and Wonderful.